Hi, welcome back to the Chin Chin Podcast. I'm Megan. I'm Sheetal. I'm Emily. Happy International Women's Day, first of all. Well, it Yay. won't be International Women's Day when we upload, but every day is International Women's Day. It could so... be International Women's Day week to make up for it. International Women's Year 2021. Yep. International Very Women's Life. That's yeah. how I live my life. Each and every day. Which is yes. very exciting. We love it. Just like to shout women. out the um, <laughs> women who influence me. For example, Megan. Well, no one can see you doing a thumbs up as a podcast. Oh, I thought you were just not going to mention Sheetal then. And I thought this is going to get really I'm awkward. Not, it's just Megan. Sorry, Sheetal. <gasps> Yay. Sorry, Sheetal. Uh, yeah, and the women that influence me is neither of you. Women. So, Megan, I'm proud of you to, for inspiring someone. Thank you. Thank you. I've really enjoyed seeing social media today. It's been a nice, like, vibe on social media today. Yeah. So, ladies, how's our week been? Why is it awkward today? Because I don't have anything to say. I genuinely don't have anything to That's say. That's literally our personality traits is awkwardness. So we and we're going to keep, we're going to keep this in of us saying we genuinely don't have anything to say this week. Because I don't think anything's happened really to us. Oh, I went to came university. Back to uni. Yeah, you came back to uni. On the on a train. Do you know what? I'm excited for when lockdown is lifted and we can actually sit here and go, I did this, this and this this week. That's true because we are we are working with like we we nothing. can do nothing. The most interesting yeah. thing that happened to me today is I went to Aldi. I went to yeah. the Asian store. I, I went to Aldi. the opticians because we like oh is that really our lives? That's my connection. Yeah, because also like yeah. it's been progress week for me this week, so literally haven't done anything because I've just binge watched Brooklyn Nine Nine, which has just made my life. Oh, a new season's better. coming on the twenty sixth of March, and I'm I'm interested about it because obviously it is a police program set in America, set in New York, well Brooklyn, obviously. Um, and they were like they'd already said they were going to do another series, but then obviously protests started happening and you know black lives matter movement uh kind of just erupted and loads of really like important social change hopefully started happening and it's like their literal police program so i don't know how like they're that but it's a comedy like it's literally a joke so like everything they do is jokey there are some actual like genuinely serious episodes there is one about racial profiling one of the like uh police officers he's black and he gets racially profiled by a another police officer and it's like a really good episode and so and there's another one about like sexual har- sexual harassment in the workplace so they uh, do like really important storylines but it is a comedy so i don't know how they're gonna because they released My... and said that they've been really thinking about how to do this series so that it's not so that like, they, they hit the right note but i don't know how they're gonna make it a comedy but i love the show so i hope it it I don't know. It'll be interesting. My my question is like, how are they going to, because they've always made efforts to kind of keep it woke and they always yeah. try and discuss current events and like kind of tread carefully and be very sensitive towards things while being funny at the same time, which I think is why it's so popular. But because kind of the idea of policing hasn't exactly like aged well, yeah. um, obviously like in minority communities in America, you know, the attitude hasn't changed, but I feel like maybe for a white majority, they're seeing the police in a new light so yeah. I'm interested to see how they can kind of 
discuss that while remaining tasteful and like retain viewership which will yeah, be the goal yeah like I was watching an interview with the cast and Stephanie Beatrice who's one of the actresses in it who is like she's just amazing anyway uh like she was asked to explain the show and she was basically saying she was just saying how it's it's obviously it's not made up but at the same time it's this comedy where everyone is lovely and everyone is a decent human being like all of the people in this are nice human beings who like when the race like racial profiling happens they are in support of the character and not the police officer who does it like so they're all nice human beings and she made this line and she was like you know in this show all police uh like all police are good there are no bad police and so it just then so the fact that they almost like they've made it so that each cast member is really lovely and that kind of thing i i don't know how they're gonna do it but i i don't know it's just a really good show if you just want escapism it's a great show to carry on from that it's really hard it's like the line what i really like is when because obviously the press is a massive thing the Meghan markle and i really want to talk about that prince harry we talk about it in the end came so listeners be prepared we are going to spill into the tea the royalty in a few (laughs) you are funny I know. That wasn't even a pun. I don't know why you added the word royal. It didn't add anything to it. Well, they are royals and we are just pure peasants in their eyes. But it's really interesting because I remember watching the racial profiling episode and I found that really done well. Yeah. But it is the fact that when you do a comedy or a TV show, all the characters are inherently good so you like them yeah and like throughout the whole series the main person in it uh like the main character he always like someone will say something slightly questionable and he always in a jokey way he usually like under his breath will like mention how bad it is is that if that makes sense so they're always aware of it but i don't know how they're going to do a full series like are they just going to do a couple of episodes but then how are they then going to be like doing a day-to-day police show with everything that's gone on this year or last year uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. Can I just say, if you want to watch a show that discusses the effects of like incarceration and the police force on like minorities, I'm watching House Get Away with Murder, and I didn't think it would discuss that because naively, obviously, it was pre like riots in 2020, yeah. but it goes into that in immense detail, and it foreshadows a lot of it and it is so fascinating so like obviously you've got the storylines of like the individual characters but throughout the entire show they're like working on court cases because they're lawyers and law students and um it's fascinating like if you kind of obviously it's fictional but if you want to see kind of like the inside of the american judicial system from the perspective of minorities i really really recommend that because i didn't go into it expecting to see that or expecting to see like such good representation of minorities but I'm so impressed by it doing that. So I'd really recommend that. I think that aptly moves on to the learn something new this week. Um, Unfortunately, we don't have a guest this week. So you're just going to listen to me ramble for... We'll have a guest next week. 10 minutes i don't know we might not 
depends. So basically moving on, I watched the documentary Murder Amongst the Mormons and yes. there was something said as um, really interesting. So this is a bit of a teaser for the documentary if you haven't watched it or heard of it again. It's this guy who forges documents from the founder of Mormons um, and I think they were founded in 1832 of because an angel came to I can't remember his name came this to dude Jesse. called like something Smith he's literally called something like John Smith, Smith or something like that <laughs> or like Jessiah Jessiah Smith yeah or like Joshua maybe I want yeah Jessiah Smith Joseph his name is Joseph. Joseph, 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 Joseph Smith, and said, "We have the word of the Mormon or word of God printed onto these gold plates, and this is how one must live their life." And Mormonism is very keeps these documents very close to themselves. The Church of LS, um, LSD is their acronym. Is very which is, is just hilarious a- because. LSD is definitely also a drug, is it not? And so that just makes me laugh. (laughs) And an ASAP Rocky song. Oh, there you go. So ASAP Rocky and the Mormon Church have a lot in common. That's the title of the episode. (laughs) That's that's the title. That's it. That is the title. I'm just going to write it down right now. Um, which is really interesting. Well, not ASAP Rocky and the Mormonism together. It was interesting because obviously a lot of documents from that um, and it was really interesting where at the near the end of the second episode going into third episode Sam Phelps one of the um, gentlemen on the documentary said that truth is only what we want to perceive it to be. Can I just butt in very quickly before we get on to like the, your main thing to talk about because I didn't know anything about this until you like text saying that you wanted to talk about it in this episode so I I've spoiled the entire thing for me because I read an article on it because I didn't I didn't even know what the documentary was about and for like not spoiling anything but just for context it's that there were there were these two pipe bombs that in the 70s 70s yeah there were these two pipe bombs that exploded and there were two people that were killed and there were a couple more injured but it was obviously like it was within the Mormon church like the people who were killed were within the Mormon church and like this kind of thing and obviously the the article that I read had loads of spoilers but the documentary does seem really good so I'm not going to like completely spoil it but just for context this whole thing is basically about these murders that took place and how that affected the Mormon church that they were within but also like just everything like how it all unraveled and that kind of thing. Yes, society in general, and this is not spoiling it, but it was the truth is only what we want to perceive it. And that quote really struck with me because it's very true in society. There's many quotes as such as there are three truths in the world. The one that you believe, the one that I believe, and the one that sticks with everyone is what what everyone believes. And there's been stories and um studies shown on certain cases where I say Megan, Emily and I have a situation that we remember such as we go out for a Wagamama's meal, Megan finds it awful, I find it amazing and Emily finds it eh, it's okay, not the best but we all have different memories of the situation so something that we watch together, every main event in life 
we all have a different feeling towards it and we all remember it differently and it's what the common collective um, member remembers and that got me on to Megan mentioned Brooklyn Nine-Nine and how all the characters are good which I don't know how but linked perfectly to the short story I read on the train back to university is um, the one who walk away from Omelas from Ursula I am gonna Ursula Oh, I don't remember a surname. What are you doing on the train? When I sit on the train, I just listen to music and stare out the window. You're reading a flipping short story. Putting it well, shame. it was um, Ursula K. Le Guin. And it was, I get weirdly productive on trains. I don't go on really, enough trains to be productive, actually, to be fair. So. I, I go on a lot of trains yeah. to travel back and forth. And it's from the collection of Real and Unreal. And it's the book, is, the story is called The One Who Walk Away From omelas which is and i'm going to spoil the story i'm very sorry uh it's about a, a dystopia a world dy um, a dystopia where everything is good we live you nothing is bad in the world everyone's happy everyone can it's not um a vain happiness either like if you want to have sex you can have sex if you want the life that you want to live it's just pure happiness as per se, which is really interesting. And they have village fates, there are an amazing city where it's not, it's our lives that we currently live without happiness. But the one catch is that as you grow older, you understand that there's one kid in a basement underneath the city that is tortured. Like they just don't live their life. Oh, it's one are. of those. They are they they're in a broom cupboard. This sounds yeah. like it came out the A level sociology textbook. Honestly, it, it does. Is, no, this I is think like a I think they do. I think they do study it, but it just um, it's like the whole just, trolley situation. Like you run over one, or like divert the thing and run oh, over not five. It's a, really, it's a really really famous story, and it is studied at A level and further. And it was more the fact that there's one kid that's suffering. There's one like their ages from six to ten and they're suffering but if you bring that kid up to the peaceful and the tranquility and the happiness of the town or and um, the city of Amelas you ruin it it goes to vile it goes to how we live currently and it's said to be a depiction on today's society how the rich are living off the basis of the poor and how even in fast fashion where you've got multi-million billion dollar companies living off um workers in sweatshops and it's the understanding of the greater good so are you going to let that kid come up and we all suffer or are you going to let one kid suffer for the greater good and the greater humanity mm. and it went through the progression of as you grow up in that city you become aware and they take you to see they take um children to see this small kid they feed um give water and like some type of gruel and the kids come back with tears in eyes they don't understand it they're annoyed and they're like why is that kid there that kid shouldn't be there but how many kids that do um do it and that how many kids actually do it how many kids say that no i don't want to be here and the reason it's called one the ones who walk away from mellas because there are some kids that just leave 
they can't live in that state of mind they can't live in a society that breathes off they like reference in a bts video they do reference it in a bts oh video. my gosh this is this is was, very messed up this hit me right in the vegan i can't lie <laughs> why why did it <laughs> right in the vegan <laughs> Wait, no, what does that even mean? What does that even mean? <laughs> because <laughs> it, it, do you know, like, um, obviously, I'm not like comparing. I'm going to use that people. now. I'm literally going to use that forever. Anything that happens could like, hit me right in the vegan. <laughs> this, <laughs> this, obviously, I'm not. I'm not comparing um, people to animals in any way. I'm not going to get cancelled for that because I think it's stupid. But um, the whole idea of I just it gave me big vibes of when. <clears throat> I feel like when a lot of kids are little there's always like a school trip to like a farm or even in the US I know they do school trips to like slaughterhouses or like people see like fishing boats or something where the penny drops that that's where your food comes from and so many kids are so like disturbed about it and then they go home and they're like oh my gosh I don't want to eat meat anymore and then they realize that meat's really nice and they keep going yeah so you all is- just do me and eat a sausage roll freak yourself out and not eat meat <laughs> that is yeah. the story of pretty much society today where we look past and we're all guilty of it we all look past these really negative things that are happening because it gives the common like common folk satisfaction this isn't entirely the same but last night we watched a movie called palm springs which is a new movie well it came out like recently um and it's basically a weird like time loop situation where this these two people get stuck like repeating the same day like a groundhog day situation but there's a bit where like each day obviously it resets so the people who were in that day with them can't remember anything that happens because the day then resets and there's this bit I'm really like reading into a lot, but I found it quite interesting. There's a bit where one of the characters, she basically gets so frustrated that she's like living in this like time loop and she can't get out of it, that she starts like being horrible to people and like being like violent towards people. There's not entirely true, but like, um, and there's just this great bit for one of the characters where he's like, these people might not remember each day, like the, the world might reset and they can't remember anything, but we as people remember it. Like we're living through this like day in, day out. And we remember the pain that we're inflicting on other people, even if they don't. And it's just this interesting idea that, like, the the people in this can't remember anything that's happened to them because the day resets. But the people who are living every single day, if they do anything to hurt another human being, they have to live with that every time they, you know, go through each day. Um, obviously, it's not the same because the time loop situation is not real. But I just found it quite interesting that there was still this idea of, you know, if we, if we just live the same day, day in, day out, and we could do whatever we wanted, and it would have no repercussions on us, like, what would happen to the world? Like, how would people act? Would people still be moral? Or would people no be horrible to each other? Would people, like, abuse people because they know that the next day it resets and it doesn't matter? I would hope that, like, more people would um, be moral, but I don't know. I don't know if I trust the world that much. I want to read like a quote from the book because I've got it on my phone of when the people find out that it happened and the kids, so the kids are from the ranges of eight to 12. They understand that there is a child who pays the price for its happiness. Not a kind word can be spoken to the child 
it you cannot tell if it's a girl or boy and uh, the um, author makes it even more heart-wrenching where the child would scream out to the people um, on the other side saying please please help me I'll be I promise I'll be good I promise I'll be good and they're left for this um, happiness of society and they feel disgust this is from the what the children are feeling they feel disgust which they thought themselves superior to they feel anger outrage impotence and despite all the explanations they would like to do something for the child but there is nothing they can do if the child brought to sunlight out of the that vile place if it were to, it were to be cleaned and fed and comforted that would be a good thing indeed but if it were to be done all the day and hour, all the prosperity and beauty and delight of the Mellors would wither and be destroyed. And those are the terms to exchange all the goodness and grace of, of the life in Amelas for that one single improvement, to throw away happiness of thousands for the chance of happiness of one, that would um, to let the guilt within the walls indeed. This is very, like, it, it just kind of makes me sick. episode was going to be relatively light-hearted. Same. I thought we were just talking about Mormons. I didn't know where this was going to go. But when you think about very young children, they have no concept of, um, like, prejudice, discrimination, uh, like, judging people for, I don't know, external things that are completely out of their control. And it's just, like, interesting that when you're very young, you just have no concept of kind of anything like you you're very new to everything obviously and then just as you slowly get older you become more aware of it and there are just these kind of biases that are in your life that you have like no control over gaining just by your family and like the environment that you grow up in and where you go to school and who you hang out with and like you form all of these opinions on people that are just completely out of your control and it's just yeah, like the children in that story uh, just feel like compassion and empathy because they don't understand how it all works. Like they, they're, they're just seeing it as, oh, there's a child in pain. Like, why would I not help them? Because they're just, there's that just like innate compassion towards people. This is very... Yeah, and one thing that got to me as well in something I inferred from reading it, which I do recommend everyone to read it, it's the entire collection of short stories is three ninety nine on Apple Books it's it's like a 10 15 20 minute read and then like an, a day or three to analyze what's actually been going on but the thing that got to me is that we're always told you need to become into the institution to change it you need to change it from within you can't change it from anywhere else and then obviously when you go into an institution you have to become um you have to grow up in it and I think it's mentioned in Brooklyn Nine-Nine episode you have to grow and as you grow older you can make the change from the higher up you are but then as you grow older your responsibilities in life become more to make the decision even harder like you might have a family you might be taking care of people you might have something or a house or something that you have to pay for or something that takes your time where making change is not possible because you have too many commitments and it's really hard because 
I'm sure there are a lot of people in the world that say, I'm going to change the world. I want the world to be a better place. What's happening here is awful, but they also have to think about the context and what they lose when they change the world. And it's similar to the people in the book where they just they're living through this life and they know they know they know that a child is suffering through this but they're going to continue doing it because they've got too much to lose and that the possibility that you have too much to lose when someone is suffering i i just don't get and i i i sympathize and i empathize with it entirely but at the end it's like the people who walk away know where they're walking is the the last line of the book is i um but they do and they seem to know where they're going the ones that walk away from others like in this fantastic dystopia one kid is suffering it depends on whether you value the greater good more than one child but if you knew that child if you knew the person suffering it's like covid cases here when people go out and they have fun and they meet their friends right now they probably don't know someone affected. So it it dehumanizes the situation. But when that kids meet that kid, it just brings all the emotions back. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting flashbacks to like ethics essays for RSA level and just like the, yeah, we're like, we, what choice do you make? Do you take happiness for everybody or this i mean this is literally utilitarianism i did not do rsa level this is just she tell and her free time do you know what this also gives me the vibe of um the idea that you have too much to lose so you can't make change is the ideological state apparatus yeah like society literally we're conditioned into thinking we're powerless and thinking there's too much to lose as a deliberate method of yeah well how many people like again to this is turning into a very like deep episode but like when things were happening with uh like big people like harvey weinstein and stuff like that and all of those allegations there was always that question of like why didn't people come forward sooner like why did they stay silent whatever and it's because it's their whole career on the line you know like if if people turn around and don't believe them which with the history of people like coming forward with sexual abuse claims the likelihood is some like people won't believe them like that that's their whole career like gone and is that the fact that you you think that you have you have so much to lose that it then makes you scared of ever speaking out which is then just horrible because you just get stuck in this like cycle and spiral and everything like that it's just I think I I would recommend, and I said this before, everyone to read the short story because you think, and I feel like at different ages, everyone would have a different decision. Like as a kid, I would say, let's leave. Uh, probably now I would say, I'm out. Like I would, I, I say this to a lot of friends. Uh, Megan and Emily have probably heard me say this a lot. It's like, you don't know true happiness once you felt true. Like you've had other emotions. Like once you felt, sadness but in this story they know what it is and i would i think i'd feel the guilt eat away at me there's one kid suffering i I don't i don't know what but simultaneously like it's impossible for us ever to know what we do in that situation yeah we're never gonna know like we're never gonna be in that situation when megan and i studied ethics as like 
it's all fun and games to sit in a classroom and go I would do this in the trolley problem or I agree with situation ethics or utilitarianism mm -hmm. or like euthanasia or abortion or a, wow abortion or anything abortion but at the end of the day you never know until you're in a situation you never know how you're going to act which yeah, makes it even more frustrating react. because yeah yeah you every ever like we're conditioned to want to know everything and i'm a little know-it-all so i really want to know absolutely we're everything at the same time though on the other hand i would rather not know how people react in that situation because i would never want to be in a situation where we'd had to find out if that makes yeah. sense like yeah, that's so true. even even though we're being you know essentially if this book happens we're being promised complete and utter happiness however i never want to be in a situation where you have to figure that out and you have and you have to actually make that decision i hope we're never in that situation but then technically you could argue we're almost in that situation now in that you have the extreme rich and the extreme poor who you know suffer day in day out but anyway this is a very intense episode it is a very i am i do i didn't realize that it was going to get really intense but i was going to talk about a bit more about the mormons and then I read the short story and then I was like, well, I know that Megan and Emily, I didn't do our essay level, but really loved our essay level and certain aspects of it and sociology as well. We love you. Shout out to Miss Cooper. We literally love you so much. But I love you too, Miss Cooper. I'm going to send and this to her. No idea definitely. how. I have no, no way of contacting her, but we're going to send it to her. But it's, it's interesting. And I... I thought I'd poise it to you guys. Poise the question to you guys. Sorry, what was the question? The question was, is it's like an allegory for every every situation in society because as we're cap we're we're in a capitalist society currently. Everyone there is always someone who suffers of an action from someone else. And mm. it's just you know, you know what, just yeah. Basically, just be a selfless person. Just be nice to people. Yeah. Try and be nice to people. Everyone smile. Um, happy International Women's Day. Happy International Women's Day. Sorry for bringing down the mood, but no, I you want to know how much I love this podcast. I'm missing the live broadcast of Harry and Meghan talking to Oprah. You say that like you're the only person in the world who's missing it. Maybe I am. I feel like <laughs> the whole of the Three other people. world. There it's we are. Yeah. It right now. That's enough for the very deep learn something new. I hope everybody learned something interesting or just had like a profound, not crisis, profound thought through it. We're going to go on to some today's news i'm firstly going to talk about the cricket because i love cricket india won the series against england they thrashed them the spinners were brilliant we loved it i really want to get an indian um cricket t-shirt like one of the old school ones but the one thing that emily and megan and i have been all waiting for to talk about is harry megan and oprah we do have a disclaimer to begin with none of us have watched it because we are currently I've seen loads of bits of it. i've seen loads of clips i've read lots about it but we haven't seen the actual thing because it is on literally as we are recording right now. this um so they're probably going to be like another thing next week where we like 
digest it again but yeah to start with my we'll talk about it like properly obviously but my thing about like it's hard to say whether you're pro monarchy or in my opinion or anti-monarchy there's like a couple of bits that have come out of it that like a couple of stories that Meghan Markle explained like specifically and one of them was there was this huge press thing that came out uh can't remember when like recently ish saying that Meghan Markle had made Kate Middleton cry to do something to do with about like uh the wedding or whatever um and in the interview she kind of is explaining that actually that was the other way around and Kate Middleton said something to her that made her upset but actually they you know Meghan Markle was upset whatever they hugged they made up Kate Middleton bought her flowers everything was fine then the press got hold of it and like flipped it and basically said Meghan Markle was really horrible she's making everyone cry whatever my, like, my point is that there are like throughout the interview she's not necessarily slating the people she's slating the institution of the monarchy you know she's saying the queen she only lovely. had good things to say yeah, about individuals. the queen has always been lovely to me i think she explained a story of them being like on a, a trip together or whatever you know she said that her and kate mentioned had that falling out as people do as families do they had a falling out they talked about it they made up um and it's actually you know the thing that angered her in that situation wasn't the argument itself it was the fact that when the story came out about her no one stepped in no one said anything because the royal family historically have a very they don't speak to the press a lot and if they do it's a very official moment and it's very organized and so they would never respond to a tabloid but obviously if you've got a tabloid written about you that is uh lying essentially you know it's got the wrong end of the stick you would want your family to come out and say that's not correct you've got that wrong that isn't what happened and so you can kind of so i yeah i i think it's definitely changed my opinion on like it as an institution i think because yeah she's not saying anything specific about people because you know families have arguments but she's saying the institution that they represent is majorly flawed and i can imagine is incredibly toxic but also it's hard to imagine the same because none of us are part of the royal family, obviously. Here's what I have to say about it. I was talking to my friend Jesse and he was like, oh, you know, like, I don't want to make it a race thing, blah, blah. It's a race thing. It is a race that, thing. Yeah, that is not um, a good way to start a thing. The royal family is racist. And I feel like if we needed evidence to back that up, it is in them having discussion, like being concerned about how dark Archie's skin colour was going to be before he was born. Um, I don't think they is... act, I don't know who, they didn't reveal oh, who man. said that, which I find I could make a few guesses, I could definitely make a few I guesses. could take a guess at who could say it, and uh, I think he's a rather elderly member of the royal family who has been known to make some very very controversial things and has said them in front of people and is given the excuse that he's very old and you know the older generation say things my grandma's really old but she loved everybody my great grandma exactly. who's still alive is very very old and she loves everybody yeah. so. Yeah, my grandparents are like the most socialist people I've ever met. Oh, I love your grandparents, Emily. They're, they're yeah. my favourite people to chat to. Um, I go to Emily's house to see her grandparents. It's true; it does happen. I'm, I've never been a royalist. I feel like that's established. My mum and I, my stepdad is a royalist. My mum and I have never been royalists. Um, I've always had an issue with how unfair it seems that they just, you know, don't 
do anything to deserve like the privilege that they get yada 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 but um if if anyone was kind of teetering on not being sure whether they were royalist or not i feel like this is really i'm i'm very disappointed but not surprised i'm the I, I'm not saying any full sentences because I'm just so in shock about the entire thing. The other thing that hit me like a truck today that I think I said to Sheeta earlier, I personally don't think Harry and Meghan moved to Los Angeles like because they wanted to. I think they moved there for safety because, you know, Harry is the person on earth who is the most aware of how directly dangerous speaking out against the royal family can be. Like, I don't care what anyone says that Diana was killed in a car crash. Like, no, she wasn't. That was 100% intentional. 100% intentional. Can I um, please button? I will, you yeah. can carry on. Um, yeah, I, obviously there are many conspiracy theories. However, it is also not even just the royal family, just the, the press's reaction to the royal family. Like, you don't, have yeah. to be, you don't have to believe in the conspiracy theory about the royal family killing Diana because I'm definitely on the fence with that. Like, I don't know where I stand on that. But you cannot deny that the press caused what happened to Diana in a literal sense in that she was being chased in a car by the press. Like that's what caused like the accident. And so I think it's, yeah, it's, it's a mixture of to do with the institution of the royal family, but also just the, the way that the press interacts with the royal family in a very specific way, in a very unforgiving way and you know, they're not even allowed to be humans. They're just these people that have to be photographed and like stand there kind of like these statues and it's very weird. Because I think like Diana knew she put herself in such a dangerous situation, but she at no point did she speak out as explicitly as Megan has done yesterday. At no point did she like, you know, the things that Megan has said about the way she was treated, like that she had suicidal thoughts and she was denied help. And, um, everything like that, just about how horrible her experience was. Obviously, I'm saying horrible with a pinch of salt because, you know, she comes from, like, she, you know, there's a lot of privilege there, blah, 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 but it is horrible. Yeah. But, um, like, Diana did ne never spoke out that explicitly and she still put herself in danger. And Diana was white, British, mm. um, came from a more, like, upper-class upbringing than Meghan has. It's, Meghan is in a more dangerous situation, I would say. And I'd say that, you know, like, if you do believe that the royals ordered, like, Diana to be killed or, like, just some interference, then Meghan has seen firsthand what a dangerous situation she's put herself in. So that's how bad it must be that she had to speak out. Like, I really feel like she didn't say all of it. Mm. I really she feel like there's so much, more and so much messier behind the scenes. And I just have, like, so much respect for her yeah. for speaking out about it. I was, um, to just link back to both what you said, I watched Prince Harry's interview on James Corden where they did quite funny things and he said that my life is always public service yeah. and I'm not defending the royals in any manner of meals. I do not like the royal family. I do not like colonialism. I do understand, understand they being, bring £1 billion in tourism every year. I understand yeah. that. We can make a mu museum out of Buckingham Palace would be just as would bring just as much um i the what the royal family does the colonialism the british empire how it's mbes and obes officers of the empire where they killed millions of people they ruined countries and economies they ruled with an iron fist i'm like no 
I'm not a royalist in any manner or sort, but the fact that they're always in the public eye, they're yeah. always in the public eye, it's going to have an effect. And this is not me being sympathetic. It's just stating a fact that you will never see the true royal family. You'll never see the true Prince Harry, Meghan, um, Duchess of Sussex, Meghan Markle, or any of them. They are, they are like the dystopia we've been talking about this entire episode they have the dystopia of they've just been they've just been lucky that two two um x and y chromosomes gave them the chance to be in one of the most affluent families in the world and it's insane to me that they were concerned about how dark the royal family racist classist they said that kate middleton was a commoner a commoner she went to marlborough which uh, if yeah not and is one of the most elite private schools in this country Andrews which is one of the most elite universities in this country she her wedding dress cost half a million pounds which one is just a very expensive wedding dress but her family her mum and dad paid for it in full I'm sorry if you're a supposed commoner which I put in you know commas or whatever you're not paying half a million pounds for a wedding dress that instantly means <laughs> you're not defined as a commoner so yeah the fact that this whole idea that he he obviously compared to the royal family anybody is a commoner but like the fact that this whole that she's a yeah that she's a commoner all their yeah. beliefs are so far behind everyone else i feel like uh going sorry to before we move on to like that whatever i just had something to say to go in with like she tells Thing about just their whole lives being on show and like Prince Harry has always been a very me and my sister were on the phone earlier and we were you know we had we were talking about this a lot and we kind of came you know Prince Harry was always the kind of um I don't know he was always in the media as the one who was doing it wrong or you know wasn't conforming to the royal family or something like that and you always got that sense that he was a rebel and that he was you know doing whatever he wanted and I think for him him having a wife and a, starting a family was just that catalyst that he needed to move out of the royal family. I think it was always going to happen. But I think if you, when it's just yourself, you can look after yourself, if that makes sense. Like you can put up with the press and the tabloids and all the headlines. And I say this not in the public eye you know, at all, but you can imagine that, you know, if something's happening to just you, you can bear it. If something's happening to somebody that you love, that takes it up to the whole, you know, next level. And if he's, you know, if things are then being written about his wife or his child or his family, I feel like that was his kind of, he, that was the turning point where he was like, okay, now this, this is why we're going to leave. Um, and I think the media have taken that as blame Meghan Markle for destroying the royal family and forcing Harry to move to America. Um, but I think it's just very interesting that Meghan Markle gets so much of the blame and Prince Harry gets so little of it, which is well, interesting there's... because they're, you know, they're in a marriage. They've made decisions together. They've decided this. And I think it's very dangerous to blame one side of it with n no knowledge. No one has, you know, we don't know them personally. And that's a very dangerous kind of pinning all on her. Well, there's a th difference between printing fact, fiction and opinion. And a lot of today's media, and everyone's biased, everyone has their opinion, and that's completely understandable. But today's media 
is opinionated. It's like CNN is left, Fox News is right. Yeah. They will print, they will, there may be, so the same with the Capitol riots, CNN were like, this is awful, this is, why is this happening? We shouldn't be doing this. Fox News was like, they're anarchists, like they're not, they're not associated with Trump, while CNN is like, this is Trump supporters, they're all Trump. And it's where we have let news in society today become where people in high up places can say, well, I don't like this, and you, I, so I'm going to make my massive news outlet who prints to millions say this. It's like when um, I just saw a tweet of two Mail Online Daily Mail articles. We've got to love. We love Daily Mail. The Daily Mail. Please um, notice the sarcasm. It was where one, one where Kate Middleton was holding her baby bump. And they had said, Kate Middleton holding her baby bump. How sweet a mother cares about her child. And then Meghan Markle holding her baby bump. Meghan Markle ho holding her baby bump. Is it pride? Is it vanity? Is she trying to show off? There's mm. so many examples of that, and it's just racist. Yeah, and I think I've seen like ten different examples of like these same tabloids posting the same things about the two women, but in completely different lights. Yeah, and I think not only is it you know inherently uh, racist, I think it's also you know it's International Women's Day. It's inherently misogynistic. This idea that you can't have two successful women next to each other that can't happen there has to be uh and there has to be that kind of like catty nature or they have to hate each other they or they can't them. get on and you know that you see in any like form of media you see it with actresses all the time people like amy poehler and tina fey who are this incredible double act are asked all the time do you guys argue do you, do you guys actually get on and you know just that idea that you know they're, they're, these two women have just married you know supposed loves of their lives and their sister-in-laws now their family and yet they're not allowed to like each other because that goes against this idea that you know that women can't be friends or they can't both be successful they have to try and undermine each other and stuff like that and it just yeah i just want them to ask the same questions to the former president and vice president mike pence donald do you argue yeah, exactly. No one would ever ask that in a million years. No one goes years. to like Harry and William. Like, yeah. Do you guys get on? Blah blah blah. Exactly. Blah. Well, it's even like we've faced it today. Like I think we were at this conference, uh, um, some school, and they were like, "Well, you, um, you go to an all-girls school, isn't it really catty?" Or do you guys? I hear that all the time fight whenever I tell time. people it's that. Like, my God, we're too stressed with what we're doing to fight. Yeah like we've got everyone a, says that to me all the time like oh was it really bitchy was it really catty did you all hate each other i'm like no we no. actually got on really well but our year was the closest year yeah we, we got on really well we supported each other and everything we did we praised each other when I talk about school is like we were all so close yeah and you know if people achieve something we're there supporting them 100 percent. we are happy for them and yeah, just I just want them to ask about the other boys' schools. Okay, Harrow, Eton, do you guys fight a lot? Is it bitchy? Yeah. Let me know. Yeah, is it really Between catchy you? between you guys? Do you, do you um do you have like little bitchy fights? Like it's just it's racism also, and like, internalizing. It's old. We, yeah, change the subject, I think, please. I don't think anyone who ever left our school was like, "There's too many girls. I'm leaving." <laughs> yeah, like it's just ridiculous. And also, just bringing it back to 
you know, Meghan Markle, the whole interview kind of thing. There's this person I follow on Instagram called M Clarkson, who's actually the daughter of Jeremy Clarkson, which took me a very long time to figure out. And I was, I started following yeah, her yeah. and then realised she was Jeremy Clarkson's daughter. And it was a very like weird realisation. Anyway, she's amazing. She's all for body positivity. She's just basically just does, doesn't care. And it's just amazing. Um, and she has been writing a lot about the whole Meghan Markle thing. But I think what I've loved about what she's written is like all of us we are very exposed to the media you know my twitter goes off and i see an article headline and that's all i necessarily see because if i don't follow up on it all i've seen is Meghan markle i keep mentioning this one makes kate mitchell and cry that's the only one i can think of at the moment but there's been hundreds over the last however like two years or whatever um and she just made this great point and she was literally like why do you care like what why do we care it is the person who we are we never we they are never going to meet them to us and i hate that yeah like we are so invested in their lives we don't know them we like we are never going to meet them or even if we do we're never going to have a sit down conversation they're not going to be our friends and yet we are the like the media and people are ruining their lives the lives of people that they've never met and they don't know anything about and so i think i i, you know, I was guilty of it when you read the tabloids you do believe them for a moment and you know I have to now, I've made the conscious effort of when I hear something about Meghan Markle to question it and go, what what do they want me to think about her? Like, what are they making me think about her? Um, and I've just made the conscious effort of to be like, I've never met her. And maybe I could meet her and she is a bully and she isn't very nice and, you know, whatever. Or I can meet her and she's the loveliest human being on the planet and she would never hurt a fly. I'm never going to find that out. So I can't sit and read an article and take that as Bible and take it as correct and like true and then form an opinion about somebody and, you know, troll someone or be horrible to someone. And when you don't know about them, just stop getting it's so like, invested in people's it's lives. Celebrities. That we don't know about. It's like yeah. when people fantasize about celebrities or like, I don't want my celebrity to date this person yeah. or the person they date or certain like that is that, we've given a sense of attachment to these people who are completely random to us like i'm never gonna meet these people and we give them like em said we give them this sense of entitlement like they have power and their decisions affect us it's just we have to we are in such a media crazed society and i think i've mentioned this in a previous podcast hassan minaj did a 25 minute thing as when in 2016 press conference in the US and he said today's um he said because the um, US press conference dinner happens to all of the major um big media media companies in the US and they sit around the table sit around tables and have this dinner and he told them that you guys need to step up your game you can't be letting false news alternative facts as people like to call them your opinions your biases get in the way of people knowing the truth like and it's um it's horrible and interesting and i hope that Meghan markle and harry have got some peace from letting this out and i yeah. can i truly wish them the best if you're awful people then you are and if you're not you're not but I will never talk to you and know you, so I have no right to judge you. So, yeah, my sister made a very interesting point. I don't know if she wants me to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. 
and she was saying that she thinks that the um the kind of what's the word repercussions i don't know if that's the right word but i'm going to go with it of this interview she says don't she doesn't really think we'll be hugely affected whilst the queen is still alive if that makes sense because oh they just made me think of another completely random <laughs> point which is another mm -hmm. thing that's been winding me up st and uh, st andrews that's not his name <laughs> Andrew. <laughs> and um, sorry what i was saying what was i saying beforehand i've forgotten now well whilst you remember we're gonna go on the jeffrey epstein road i watched the documentary on netflix you guys will learn over this period of time i watch a lot of documentaries that took me two weeks to watch i would i was there were moments where i physically gagged after watching an episode mm. or during an episode because it was i i had uh, i remember what i was saying so yeah i don't think there'll be repercussions whilst the queen is still alive because she has faced you know scandal after scandal thing after thing and she is you know as Har prince harry said in that james gordon interview it is very put duty before family like she knows what she has to do to get through things and she can do it but um my sister's prediction is that when prince charles uh if you know if he becomes king when he becomes king that that's going to be interesting because he has been heavily slated by netflix uh you know if you if you've watched the crown he does not come out of it well him and camilla i don't know what her surname is something something Parker Bowles. there we go they do not look good in it at all um and so that will be interesting you know that will be like a an interesting situation and then saying if you know prince well when prince william becomes king um like that will be interesting because it's at the same generational level if that makes sense like they they've grown up with the same um you know they both lost their mum which was obviously heartbreaking like they've both gone through that so it'll be interesting to see if there is any like wiggle room because in these massive institutions that have been going for years and years it and like hundreds of years like the monarchy has it'll be interesting to see if we finally get to a generation where things actually change and things you know become better because even though it's an 100 year institution doesn't mean that it should be acting like it was a hundred yeah doesn't mean that you should be acting the same as you did when it first started like no you should never be acting the same as we did like Maybe 10 times. years ago let alone 100 years ago like no thank you let's move with the times so it'd be interesting to see if like that does happen because we've grown up with the queen you know, she's been there our entire life she's been there for most people's entire lives so it'll be interesting to see if anything hopefully changes i I know that this is a really, really stupid point, but I'm going to say it anyway. I only real this is this is I'm oh, going to look God. very, very dim here. I only realise we have to change the national anthem every time the monarch changes gender. So when Charles becomes king, it's God save our gracious king, long live our. The I don't know the lyrics. Yeah, but then yeah. it's that's it's going to be like that for. Uh, what their names prince charles until we die to be honest William and i saw someone um someone was stressing they... about the fact that they're gonna have to print different money when charles becomes king but then he yeah. probably won't be king for very long so then they'll have to print new money and then probably in like a Inflation. certain amount of decades all our money will have different monarchs on it that's why luca is going to come back and explain that to us how yeah, long literally. did it take for them to flip and change into the indestructible five pound notes now that took a very long time. i've still got an old pound coin somewhere that i just can't use <laughs> ever that might just be you it's been a while 
Yeah, yeah I think said, I'd, if you bring yeah. your pound coins to the bank, they'll exchange them. For yeah, but then I forgot, and I think no, I was like past like four years ago. Yeah, and I think I convinced myself that I should like keep an old pound coin, even though it's very boring and like I don't need that. But oh, what's really interesting is that my um when the British ruled over India, my family were in India. We have um some coins from that era, like one or two like coins from that era. And it's just interesting to see. And you guys will learn. I hate the British Empire. It should go go away. I mean, I feel that's a solid opinion to have. They ruined India's comment. Um, we were twenty five point five percent on the global GDP in the market. They made us go to zero point zero two. In Canada, they have a museum showing all the arts and goals. You know where they're from? India. Go to the British Museum. Look at the look at the crown on the head. Look at the jewel in the middle. It is from India. <laughs> yeah. I made a point. This I, ca- I can't remember when this was, but it was in the soci- It was in the sociology. I love yeah, this it, is n- this is no longer about the news at all. But anyway, um, <laughs> tangent. Um, in a sociology lesson, we were talking about culture, obviously, because it's part of sociology. And we were talking about how, uh, you know, within the UK, Wales has a very definitive uh, national identity, you know, with especially things like the rugby, it's like a huge part of the national identity. Scotland has a very specific one, Northern Ireland, that kind of thing. We were saying England doesn't particularly have a national identity and that kind of thing and I made a point to our teacher this is basically me just ratting on our teacher for this bit I made a point about imperialism being because of that in the the reason why England doesn't have its own set culture is because it stole a load of other countries culture and I and I made this point and so that's why like we don't have a national identity in England because we don't know where it's England and where it's imperialistic England and where it's come from other countries and kind of been melted together over the years and I made this point and my teacher literally looked at me like she was like oh absolutely not and I was like absolutely yes thank you yeah because like whereas I feel like now obviously you don't you don't want to be seen as imperialistic and relying on your empire that you once had because that's just wrong and the fact that there were so many empires around the world so I feel like countries like Wales and Scotland have been able to do that by coming up with their own national identities whereas England is just this mixed match of cultures which I think like now I like it's obviously an amazing thing for the UK and it's it's exciting that we are so multicultural but it's so sad that that is because of the history of imperialism and like colonialism and just the stealing of other people's cultures. Do you just... remember the biscuit debate? It's the same day that you had the sausage roll where we had this debate, we had a biscuit debate and it was... I know that we weren't at this event so that Megan could eat a sausage roll, we were <laughs> at this event so that we could have a debate against another school but the only recollection I have is Megan eating a sausage roll that made her go vegetarian for the rest of her life. Um, it honestly so did. It's been like it two years, three years this year. McVitie's biscuits against Rich Tea biscuits, and this, I think, year eight, year seven. I don't, I don't remember how. They were old very young to be debating. They were them. quite young, um, debating. I think year nine or year ten came up and looked at me and my debating partner in the eye and said, "You're an imperialist if you like Rich Tea biscuits." And I oh, sat there. Yes. Like <laughs> I forgot about I that. And I, I looked, about that just I, looked that I looked straight in my debating teacher's eye and I just looked at him. I'm like, 
what why i didn't want to do this i was dragged into this why am i being called an, an imperialist by a seven-year-old kid and they weren't seven they were in year seven <laughs> they were about like 12 years old but okay they now they're now suddenly seven anyway this is a very weird tangent anyway we've this episode is on is actually this last bit of the episode has been 40 minutes long sick one yeah it's important it's important to talk about these things it was very important yeah don't be racist kids basically don't be be sexist have a lovely week and we'll see you next week should we just end it there not even have a like (laughs) listen to us next week we're just don't be racist don't be sexist be a nice human being have a great week